0: Would you take your Bibles with me as we get into the message, Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. And uh, I'm excited about preaching this message today as the Lord uh, laid this on my heart a few months ago and I decided to preach it at this stage in the message series. And I hope that it'll help us today understand what is Christ's strategy for the mission. And I believe with all my heart, that Christ has not only left us with a great commission or a mission to fulfill, but he also leaves us with a strategy on how to do it. And how many of you think this morning that if anyone knows how to reach the world with the gospel, it's probably Jesus, amen? And so this is his strategy found in Matthew chapter number 28, and I hope it's a blessing to you. I hope it's an encouragement today. Uh, We're in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to skip down to verse 18. We know this as the Great Commission here, and we're going to read it, and then we'll get right into the message. Matthew 28, look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, being the disciples following him. This is after Christ has resurrected from the dead. And he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Would you read verse 19 with me? Ready, begin. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end Amen. And so a few weeks ago when we started this series, we started by answering a few questions. The first question was, what is the mission? What is the mission that Christ has given us? And we said, this, the mission is the Great Commission, to go, to preach, to baptize, and to teach. That is the mission of the church. Let's say those four things together. Ready? To go, to preach, to baptize, and to teach. Those are the mission. That is the mission of the church. We see that in Matthew 28 that we just read. We see that in Mark chapter 16. We see it in Luke and John both. We see it in Acts chapter number one. We see it modeled by Paul the Apostle and Timothy. And all those men throughout the New Testament. And so we know what the mission is. It's the great commission. Then we answer that. We try to answer the question, who is commissioned? We see in Acts chapter number one, verse eight, Jesus says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Those of us that have witnessed what Christ has done in our hearts, we are the ones who are commissioned. If Christ has changed your life, if Christ has changed your heart, if you know Christ as your savior, then you are part of the mission. We also answer the question, when is it to be done? The woman was at the well. Jesus was standing there. The disciples came. He said, don't say yet in four months. Not, it's not in four months. It's not next week. It's not next month. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and behold the harvest. The fields are white, all ready to harvest. If the question is when, the answer is what? Right now. It's right now. It's, it's imperative. It's imperative. It's right now. So the mission is now. And so today, as we move along with this series, I want to look at this series a little bit more through a practical lens this week and next. Next week, I want to talk about, I want to get into the, the actually how we're supposed to witness to someone, how, how we can tell someone else about Christ. We'll get into that next week. But today, I want to answer the question, how is the strat, what, how are we supposed to accomplish this mission? How is the church supposed to do this? Is there a lot of different ways? Is there uh, different methods and is there different uh, uh, strategies? And I believe that Christ has left us with a very clear, a very powerful strategy on how to accomplish this mission. And so that's what the message is about today, the strategy of the mission. Let's pray together and ask for God's help. I come before you, Lord, today, and I ask you, God, for help before we get into this message. Help us, Lord, to focus on your word for just a few minutes here. But, Lord, I pray today, Holy Spirit, work among us. Lord, I pray that you convict us and help us, Lord, to understand the importance of this strategy. And God, we under, help us to understand that it's not the church's strategy. It's not a pastor's strategy. It's not a denominational strategy. But Lord, it is your strategy that you gave to us. And Holy Spirit, help us to own it and to, and, to, and to engage it in our own lives and in our church. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A newly married man was uh, starting to find out that after you get married, you can't just live the way that you lived before marriage. How many of you men have figured that one out that are married in the room? He couldn't just do whatever he wanted to, and, and, and it was frustrating him. And so this is a joke, by the way, so just laugh at the end whether you think it's funny or not, all right? And so he, he, he wanted to find out, how, how do I fix this situation? And he was getting tired of the honey-do list. He was getting tired of, of the, the, her telling him about his bad habits. She was tired of him. Uh, uh, she was. T- he was tired of her telling, she can't hang out with your friends. You know, I don't want you to spend all your time. So he was just getting tired of this. And so instead of going to, a, you know, his dad, instead of going to his pastor, he found one of his friends at work to give him some advice. And uh, by the way, sometimes going to your friends at work is not the best idea for advice. So he goes to his friend at work and he tells him the situation. His friend says, I know exactly what you need to do. He says, this is what you do. He said, you need to show her who's boss. You need to show her who's boss. He says, you need to go home. You need to slap your hand on the table and say, this is the way it's going to be. So the, little, the, the younger guy, he thought about it. He thought, I'm not sure about this. He thought, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to try my friend's strategy. So he goes home, and uh, he, he goes home. Brother Asper. he slams the door, and the wife looks up at him. You know What's going on? He walks over, and he slams his hand on the table. He says, all right. He said, some things are going to change around here. And he starts telling his wife, everything his friend told him to tell her. He said, when I, he said, I'm the boss. This is my house. And when I get home, I want dinner on the table, and I want this done, and I want that done. And she's just sitting there, and she's just looking at him. No, she doesn't say anything. She's just looking at him. And he thinks he's got the upper hand now, so he keeps going. He says, and another thing. He said, when I go out with my friends, I don't want to hear anything about it. And he starts going off about that. And she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say anything, so he thinks this is going pretty well. I mean, men say, it's not going well. <laughs> And he says to her, he says, he goes, well, and and furthermore, he said, I want my clothes laid out every night before I go to bed. I want my clothes laid out for the next day. And he goes, and I want all my ties. I want you to tie all of my ties so I don't have to tie them anymore. That's when the wife just smiled. She looked up and he thought, man, she's smiling. This is good. She said, oh, I won't need to tie your ties for you. He goes, oh, yeah, well, who's going to tie them then? She just smiled and said, I'm sure the funeral director will. (laughs) How many understand that strategy is important? Whether it's a marriage. (laughs) By the way, you guys that are just getting married, don't even think about doing that. Um, That's not the Bible, (laughs) anyway. And and so strategy, whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's marriage, whether it's church, strategy is important. And I believe that we would all say that. Strategy is a long-term plan of action designed to achieve a particular goal. When Jesus left the planet, and he ascended up into heaven, he left his followers, his disciples, with a strategy, a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In the world today, there are 7.8 billion people. Is it possible that every person on the planet could hear a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that even possible? Many think, how many of you think today, That if Jesus gave us a command, he would also give us the way to achieve that command. Jesus would not leave us without instructions. If he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, if Jesus said that, how many believe that Jesus would give us the strategy to accomplish that? And so when we look at it that way, we have to think that the 2.5 to 3.5 billion people who have never heard the gospel— Is not a problem with the strategy. It must be a problem with us. And all God's people said, amen. And so what is this, how is this strategy accomplished? And what is the strategy? And so many of us don't realize that when Jesus gave us the Great Commission, he also gave us a brilliant, godly strategy to accomplish the mission. And so today, let's break that down. Number one, if you're taking notes. I'm going to give you three things that the strategy is. The gospel is uh, the way that it is in strategy. So number one, the Great commission is a mobile strategy. It's a what church? a It's a mobile strategy. Pay attention to the verbs in all of the scriptures here. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. "Go ye therefore." Go, don't sit ye therefore, don't stay ye therefore, don't wait ye therefore, go ye therefore. It's a mobile. Strategy. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's a mobile strategy. Luke 24, 47. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached among the nations. There is a mobile strategy. John chapter 20, verse 21. As my Father hath sent me, even so what? send I you. It's a mobile strategy. Acts chapter number one, verse eight, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Judea. Yes. And in Samaria. Samaria. I said it again. We might as well just create a country called Samaria. Uh, Judea, Samaria, and into the, that's the Benadryl talking right there. Judea and Samaria into the uttermost part of the earth. It's a mobile strategy. Take your Bibles go to Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter number 22. How many with your pastor so far? All right, it's how many with me? Raise your hand. It's a mobile strategy, a mobile strategy. We're supposed to take the gospel. Matthew chapter 22, verse one, Jesus answered and spake unto them by parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king that made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. If you study your Bible, you'll find out that this is talking about the Jews here in verses one through four. And he sent servants, saying, Tell them that we're bidden. Behold, I prepared a dinner. My oxen and fatlings are killed. All things are ready and come unto the marriage. And by the way, I just want to park it right here and say that Jesus came, died on the cross, shed his blood for our sins, and has paved the way for salvation for us. The work has been done. The wedding's been furnished. And so look at what it says here. It says, But they made light of it, verse 5, and went their way. One went to his farm, another to his merchandise. The remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully. And slew them. And the king heard thereof and was wroth and sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt up their cities. And he said unto the servant, the wedding is ready. They which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants, what's the next word? Went. Jesus said what? Go. And the servants did what? Went. Jesus said what? Go, and the servants what? Come on, are you with me this morning? Jesus said what? And the servants did what? It's a mobile strategy, and they went. The servants went, therefore, into the highways, and as many as they found, they gathered together, as many as they found, both bad and good, thank God for that, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Every time that Christ speaks about the Great Commission, he heavily emphasizes that the church must go the importance is emphasized on going searching finding inviting compelling go go it's a mobile mission it's a mobile strategy this is the new testament model we are to seek the poor we are to seek the rich we are to seek the every culture Every color. It doesn't matter if it's a hostile nation or a friendly nation. It doesn't matter if it's a color or a this color, or that color. It doesn't matter if economically or non-economic, it doesn't matter the, the creed. It doesn't matter uh, the place we are supposed to go and compel them and tell them about the gospel. It's a mobile strategy. We see this strategy throughout the New Testament, modeled by Paul the Apostle. Paul was a mover. He moved around a lot. Paul, we see him witnessing to Lydia, a seller of purple. He goes into her town. He moves into her town, preaches to her. Lydia gets saved. He then moves to Iconium, and then he goes to Derbe and Nelistra. He moves over and starts a church in Corinth, and then in Ephesus, he finds Timothy. He gets Bartholomew. He gets Mark for a while. He gets these guys together, and Silas, and they go throughout, and they're mobile. They're planting churches. They're preaching. It was a mobile strategy. Someone might hear what I'm saying this morning and think, well, pastor, isn't that what churches are doing today? Isn't that what churches are doing today? Some churches are, but for the most part, they're not. They're not. Churches have said, we're not going. We're not going. I was reading some study material on this message, and I read a research paper done by Barna group. This is a group that, that uh, studies a lot of things that have to do with churches and they found out something in a report recently. is very troubling to me. And here's what the report read. Almost half, 47%, and listen to this, of practicing Christian millennials. A millennial is someone between the age of about 30 and 40, give or take. 47% of practicing Christian millennials surveyed for the report said they believed evangelism, what we're talking about going out, is wrong is wrong. According to Barna, there are several contributing uh, factors to to the decrease of younger Christians' willingness to evangelize, which is described as the act of sharing one's faith or spreading the good news. Today, a number of factors curbing many Christians' enthusiasm for faith sharing, including the decline of religion in America, the spreading apathy towards spiritual matters, the growing cultural suspicion of people of faith, according to Barna's website. This statistic is very startling because in the same study asking the same question of Gen Xers and baby boomers, only between 15 and 20% of them feel like it's wrong. So it's almost doubled within the last, two, within the last several generations where they actually believe that it's wrong to share your faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Half of Christians my age, can I just tell you something? Can I just share something with you this morning? I feel some preaching coming on. I hope your camera guys are ready. I got to tell you something. It doesn't matter what a statistic says. It doesn't matter what a guy living in his basement uh, on his mother's computer says. It doesn't matter what my generation says. The Bible is clear. We are supposed to go ye therefore to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what Jesus told us to do. That is the strategy. I said, that is the strategy. And listen, I'm a millennial, Brother Asprello, you're a millennial, all of our staff are millennials, and we believe what the Bible says. Yeah. And so I just want to simply say this morning that churches are moving away from that, but that, is, that doesn't matter. What matters is, what does Jesus say? Jesus said, go and tell and preach and baptize and teach. We're supposed to go. Our church could always do better. There are many places for improvement. We're constantly trying to improve our process and trying to improve how we do things. And I believe that should be the spirit of a church. But I'm glad to be a part of a church that's mobile, that's going and doing and trying. And we want to keep trying and trying to try to keep doing more. How is our church mobile? I I recorded several things here uh, for you, just so you know. Maybe you're new and you say, how does this church uh, with evangelism, letter A here, organized outreach? Our church has several organized outreach times. And I just, I don't know that I would go to a church that doesn't have an organized outreach time. That shows you where their priorities lie. A man, a man this morning, been coming, visiting for about a month or so. He, he encouraged me so much. Came through the line and, and just started coming to our church recently. He said, he said Pastor, he said, thank you for that message. He said, all the churches I've been in through growing up, he said, you could tell. They didn't care about the lost. You just tell. And and all I want to say about that today is, listen, it's our job as God's people to go into the world and tell others about Christ. Thank God that I'm saved and thank God that I have a heritage and thank God that I have the Bible. Thank God that I know these songs. But there are people out there that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they need us to go. I was sitting in Costco the other day, Brother Aspirelli, and I was watching people get out of their cars. And because I got to make my weekly pilgrimage to Costco, amen. Whew, gotta burn some calories walking around there. And then you buy a hot dog and it all goes out the window. But I'm in Costco and I'm sitting in my car and I'm watching people get out of their cars. And, and I was starting to feel a little overwhelmed. I'm thinking, how am I gonna reach my city? I don't know. There goes a little couple with a little, little couple there with a the little baby in the cart. I'm like, do they know for sure they're going to heaven? Here goes an older man just barely making it walking in. Does he know for sure heaven's his home? And I began to feel a burden for my city. And I just want to say, thank God for a church that has enough character to say we're going out to tell others about Jesus Christ. May God keep us as a church that believes in that. I have number two here, the bus ministry. The bus ministry. And the bus ministry, a lot of folks it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work and it's too expensive. And Listen, you you keep all that in your pocket. Let me tell you something, it does work. And it is expensive, amen? But it does work and people come to Christ and and then never come to church. They can't find their way to church. And and what it does is it gets a group of about 30 or 40 or 50 volunteers every single weekend that go out to neighborhoods where no one else wants to go. They go to neighborhoods and go to houses where no one wants to darken the door because their parents won't give a dime to their church. And so they don't want to go talk to them. They have nothing to offer their church. But we have some people in this church that don't mind going to those homes. and don't mind putting up with stuff that happens in those neighborhoods to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that thank god for that the bus ministry then there's retirement homes folks that'll never come here but we're going to them so right now, right now, brother Dossery and brother Galang and several others in our church are going to a nursing home right now to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right now today, then there's youth outreach, brother Gonzalez, our youth pastors working hard to get back into public schools and and get out there and tell these teenagers about the Lord and then there's equipping personal, you and me, personal outreach and, and and challenging our church to be a soul winner and to go out and tell someone else about Christ, to give them the gospel. Then of course we have the fit ministry and and reaching people that have have addictions needs and those kinds of things. The point that I'm trying to make this morning is we need to be a mobile church, mobilized, mobilized. And all God's people said, amen, amen, taking, sharing our faith personally. And this brings us to my next point. Not only is it a mobile strategy, but it's a mandated strategy. It's a mandated. Jesus said, go ye therefore, not if you feel like it. Go ye therefore if it makes sense to you. Go ye therefore if you have enough time. No, he just says, go ye therefore. Christ, listen, this morning, Christ makes the assumption that those who really know him and those who have him in their hearts are going to tell someone else about him. Christ makes that assumption. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. Going, preaching, baptizing, and teaching are not man's ideas to agree with or disagree with. These are not church policies to obey or disregard. These are not styles of ministry that come and go. These are not strategies enacted by the first century church. This is what Christ mandated. Either we believe what Jesus said or we don't. Now, I, I, I don't want to hurt anybody this morning, so please. But can I just say this with, with as much love as I can muster. This book right here is not up for debate. Amen? It's not up for debate. What I mean by that is, you either believe it. Is this thing on to this morning? We either believe it or we don't believe it. Amen? If you believe it, draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I believe everything the Bible says. You can't go back and forth and say, well, I believe parts of it, and I believe some of it, and I think some of it's good, and some of it, you know, it's a little... No, no, no. You either believe all of it or you believe none of it. All Scripture was given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Not some, not a little bit, not parts of it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the Holy Ghost filled men as they penned the words of God. We believe in plenary inspiration, which means the Word of God is breathed into existence. God breathed into man as he wrote the words of the Bible. And those words of that Bible became our supreme and final authority. And so we either believe what Jesus said, or we don't believe what he said. And Jesus said, this is my mandate. This is my mandate. May I just say, going and preaching, baptizing by immersion, teaching, all these things are not optional. Non-optional. Amen? Not optional. These are things. I love the double-double animal style. Did I tell you about this before? There's a lot of options in In-N-Out you don't even know about. Did you know you can get a four-by-four? How four? I many you knew that? Let me share something with you, those of you that aren't raising your hand. You can get a, a hamburger with four patties and four pieces of cheese on it. I don't recommend this, but you can do it. A lot of options. You can get pepper sliced up on your burger. Did you know that? Anyway, I'm losing some of you. All right, I'm moving on. There's a lot of options at In-N-Out. There's a lot of options at Burger King. Have it your way. But here's the thing. When it comes to the Bible, we don't have some options. And there's some things that that are non-optional. And and this is a mandate that God has given us. Going is not optional. Preaching. Baptism is not optional. And so right now in America, I'm afraid churches are moving away from the mindset of going into the community. For the purpose of spreading the gospel, churches are moving away from that. How many of you have seen that in your lifetime? Seen it. They're moving away from that. And so the buzzword of today is that we're missional. We're missional. Be careful of that. What that means is basically we don't go and tell others about Christ. We live a lifestyle so others will be curious about us and talk to us about Christ. It's lifestyle evangelism. And by the way, I'm all for lifestyle evangelism. I believe your life ought to preach Christ. And all God's people said, but that is not a substitution for going. Being missional is fine. And they're replacing going and telling others about Christ. They're replacing giving a gospel tract to somebody. They're replacing going into the public schools and preaching. They're replacing uh, going to taking the bus ministry and t- getting people in. And They're replacing going out and telling others about Christ with community involvement and relationship building and starting conversations and lifestyle evangelism. Those are all great and those are all fine in themselves and they become necessary tools sometimes to the gospel. But none of those things replace the mandate of going and preaching and baptizing and teaching. It's not an option. What did, Timothy, what did Paul say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number four? He said, preach the word. He said, preach the word. He didn't say unpack the word. He didn't say have a conversation about the word. He didn't say, you know, let's create a round table about the word. He didn't say, let's communicate the word. He said, Timothy, preach the word, Amen. What is preaching? Preaching involves more than just teaching. It involves more than just a conversation. It involves more than just self-help, self-promotion, and all of these things. It's proclamation. It's explanation. It's confrontation. It's exhortation. It's correction, persuasion, motivation, edification, illustration, application, and conclusion. That's preaching. Preaching drives to a decision. It's not an option. The act of preaching involves passion and compassion. A desire to impart the truth. We see Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this about preaching. He said, what is preaching? He said, it's logic on fire. Preaching is theology, coming through a man who is on fire. A true understanding and experience of the truth must lead to this. I say again that a man who can speak about these things dispassionately has no right whatsoever to be in the pulpit and should never be allowed to enter one. John Wesley said, give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. Preaching is not optional. And all God's people said, amen. "Amen." Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why is preaching not optional? Because the, the preaching of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We are to preach, not of our own wisdom. Or our own philosophy, we're to preach Christ crucified. Amen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Notice Jesus promises his power and his presence when we go. He promises his power and his presence when we preach. I heard one preacher say one time, if you don't go, you don't get the low. If you don't go and you don't preach, you don't get the low. You don't have that power. I just want to say this morning that there are times where someone needs you to talk to them. There are times. Well, I hope that someone can see me and see a difference in me. How many hope that someone sees a difference in your life? But sometimes, listen, church, sometimes you got to take a next step. Say, can I share something with you? Something that changed my life? And sometimes that's necessary. There are some times where someone may never ask you about that. They may never darken the door of a church, but you taking the time to talk to them could change their life. This is Jesus' strategy. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We see that the gospel is a mobile strategy. It's a mandated strategy. And here's the exciting part. And everything I've talked to up until now, Hasn't really answered the question, how? How is this going to happen? This is more of the why, but let's get to the how. The Great Commission is a multiplication strategy. Multiplication. Jesus wasn't just interested in addition. He wanted to see multiplication. You see, Jesus knew. He knew that if we were going to reach the world, the gospel had to multiply. And so this is why he gave us verse 20. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Would you read that with me? Ready to begin teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus, he came to his disciples and he said, when someone comes to Christ, what I want you to do is I want you to teach them. I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. We call it today, we call it discipleship. I want you to take that person and teach them what the Bible says. Teach them doctrine." Teach them how to tell someone else about Christ. This is how, this is how we reach the world. You see, without a doubt, we are mandated. How many agree with that today? The Bible says we're mandated. Go ye therefore. Without a doubt, it's a mobile strategy. You can't go stationary. But how many would agree that if anyone knew how to get the gospel to the ends of the world, it was Jesus Christ. And he gives us this pattern to follow. Christ gives us a multiplication strategy. Now I was thinking about how to illustrate this and actually it came to me a few months ago. Would you guys show that picture back there? There's a plant species that lives here in California and I believe it was created by the devil himself. I'm talking about none other than crabgrass. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you like having a green lawn? <laughs> and uh, this stuff, crabgrass, it is amazing. It's just the worst thing ever. And over here in the, the front of the church, we, many years ago, we planted sod, beautiful sod. And then over the years, blown across the road, this crabgrass came and started planting. And then now it's all crabgrass. Crabgrass kills your good grass and brings. And here's what crabgrass does. The plant grows. Some of you thought that was marijuana at first. It's not. Just relax. It, the, the crabgrass grows there. And then what it does is, Brother Renison, it sends out that root right there called the stolen or whatever it's called. And it sends it out there. And then it, it puts down roots again. And then that plant starts to grow up. And then it sends out more roots. And then the one in the middle sends out more, like ha ha, ha, ha yeah. And it sends out more roots. And then this other one goes over here. And this little plant is called the daughter plant. And it sends out and it creates all these little daughter plants and then they grow. And then it sends out. And the other day I was in my backyard and I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull this stuff out of my lawn. How many have ever done this? You pull up a plant, a crabgrass plant, you pull it up, and it's like you're finding more of it. You pull it up, it's like, oh, oh, okay. Oh. Seriously? You come all the way over here and you pull that plant. Oh, are you serious? Come over here. And, 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 And it just sends these super long things out. And I don't know if it's, you know, it's just crazy. And it takes over. That's how Christ wants the church to grow. A lot of churches are trying to grow like an oak tree, make a huge thing and just grow straight up in the air. That's not what Christ He wants us to go out and multiply. He wants us to multiply. He wants this Christian to tell this Christian. And this Christian gets excited. And this Christian goes and tells this person. And this person becomes a Christian and gets excited. And then he goes and tells this person over here. And he gets excited. And that's how Christ wants the church to grow. He wants it to spread quick and far. And by the way, today is a day where we need to be spreading the gospel like crazy. Because I believe there's coming a day in America when we won't be able to anymore. And so we ought to be able to, we ought to spread that thing quickly. And so we see here uh, an example of Christ's multiplication. But here's the problem. There's 7.8 billion people in the world. Estimations and statistics vary, but most groups believe that about 3 billion people have never heard the gospel one time. 3 billion people. How many of you this morning would say, that's not the strategy's fault? How many would say that this morning? It's not the strategy's fault. There's something else happening. There's a disconnect. There's a divorce between reality and what Christ has given us. What is the disconnect? Let me illustrate something for you this morning. I hope this will help. All right, let's see here. Brian, would you come up here? Alex, Brother Black, Brother Joey, would you come up here? Julian, would you come up here real quick? Just right up here, guys. I want to give you an illustration, then I'll close, just to get us thinking about this. Right up here, guys, if you stand up here. Jesus said to go you therefore, preach, baptize, but then he said to teach. Paul goes to Timothy and he tells Timothy the same thing. He's reiterating Christ's command. He says in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 verse 2, If therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ and the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so let's say here, uh, let's see. Let's say here that Joey, Joey, Joey's a Christian. He's been a Christian for a while. And Joey says, you know what? I want to take this thing seriously. I want to tell someone else about Christ. And so he starts to preach, man. And he becomes a famous preacher. I mean, more famous than Billy Graham, more famous than D.L. Moody, more famous than Jonathan Edwards. And he preaches and he preaches. And so Joey gets up and, and, and let's just say Joey, every single day of his life, preaches to a thousand different people. Seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Joey is such a powerful preacher that a thousand people every day get saved under Joey and his preaching. Okay. Everybody with me? All right. Here's a math question. If that happened, how many people a year would trust Christ as their savior? That's right. three hundred and six. Somebody said 20 or something this morning. Lord help them. But anyway, 365,000 people a year. How many say that would be pretty impressive? Boy, I tell you, Joey, if you you preached and saw 1,000 people saved every day, we would reach this world in no time, no time at all, only about 21,000 years. Woo! If he preached every day and saw 1,000, this is assuming nobody's born between now and 21,000 years, but if he preached every day and 1,000 people got saved every day, it would take 21,000 years to reach every person on this planet. How many say we don't have 21,000 years? Okay? Let me give you a different scenario. Joey gets on fire for the Lord. He takes this thing seriously. He wants to share his faith with somebody. He's shy. He's just like you and me. You ever get nervous when you're talking to people? Are you nervous right now? Okay, good. All right. Joey's my brother-in-law, by the way. Joey, he, he gets on fire for the Lord, and he wants to, he wants to, Brother Padillo, he wants to, he wants to share his faith. And so Joey goes out and he finds one person. He finds Julian. And Julian, him and Joey have a great relationship, and, and, and brother. Brother Padillo, he, he talks to Julian. and says, Julian, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? And Julian says, no, I don't. And Julian bows his head, accepts Christ as his Savior, and he becomes a follower of Jesus, just like Joey. And then Joey takes the time. As a matter of fact, Joey takes an entire year, one whole year, to teach Julian what it means to be a Christian. He takes the Bible and he teaches them about creation in Genesis. And then he looks, He shows about the children of Israel in Exodus and the law in Leviticus. He tells them the Ten Commandments. He goes to the New Testament, shares about what redemption is and justification, and he teaches them all these doctrines. And, and then he shows Julian how to tell someone else about Christ for one year. Then that year goes by. Julian is now, how many would agree that if you spent a year discipling someone, they would be doing pretty well in their Christian walk? So now Julian's ready to share the gospel. Julian finds one person. He finds Brian here. Jason, come over here. And then the next year, so that's year one. And then the next year, uh, Julian goes out and he finds Brian. And, And then Brother Padillo, he's not done. That was so exciting. He goes and he finds Brother Jason. And he leads Jason to the Lord. And so now you have these four men. And for that whole year, Brother Padillo disciples Jason. Julian disciples Brian. And for an entire year, these men learn about the Bible. And then in year three, Brother Alex, would you come over here? Jason finds Alex. And come on up here, bro. Come on up quick. He said, no, I'm good. Okay. Uh, I need more men. I need some men. Brother Spillman, come up here quick. Come on, guys. Come up here. Joe, Ben, Dan, come up here quick, quick. And so let's see. Brother Spillman, Joey finds Brother Spillman. And uh, Julian, he finds Brother Dan. And Brother, Brother Brian, he finds Joe. And, and so uh, you guys sit down right here real quick, and I'll, we'll use you in a minute. Now, look at this. After, in three years, you have all these people in three years. He said, Pastor, that's going to take forever. If we, if, we, if we saw one person save a year, that would take forever to reach the world. It would take us about 40 years to reach 7.8 billion people doing it this way. Four, zero. 40 years. It's the power of multiplication. This is the strategy that Jesus left us. He said, I want you to go and I want you to preach. With the De La O, how you doing? I want you to preach and I want you to see someone saved. But then I want you to take the Bible and I want you to teach that person. I, I don't want you to tell him how he can be a, a, better, a better business. I don't want you to tell him how he can work out and be, be more fit. I want you to tell that guy what the Bible says. And I, want, I don't want you to try to make him, well, be your best life now. That's not what the Bible's all about. The Bible's about how can I follow Christ? And I want you to show that man, I want you to teach that man how to follow Christ. That's the strategy that Christ left us. Can you imagine if this church if everyone in this church found one person this year, just one, and took that strategy seriously, and took that one person, say, hey, man, let's have coffee once a week. And let's once a week, let's, let's open the Bible, and let's learn about it. Let's learn about it together, because how many of you are still learning the Bible? Thank you, guys. You could be seated. You see, Christ has left us with a strategy that works. If we would just decide that it's not about having big crowds and all these different things, and I love all that stuff, But what it's about is finding one, just one. Say, Pastor, what's your point today? What are you trying to drive at here? Here's my point. Here's my challenge for you today. It's February. We have 10 months left this year. Amen? 10 months. Allergy season is just starting. Woo! But maybe God would give you the opportunity to lead one person to the Lord this year. One person. Maybe God would give you the opportunity to take that one person and show them what the Bible says and spend time with them and help them to grow in their Christian life and become solid in their foundation. Maybe God would allow you to do that this year. Here's a phrase I want to leave with you as you go today. Who is your one in 21? Who is your one in 21? Sometimes I get overwhelmed with the task at hand. I start thinking about Stockton. I start thinking about Modesto. I start thinking about Tracy and I start thinking about Salida and I start thinking about I start thinking about Lathrop and I start thinking about all these people that have never heard the gospel right around us, right around us. You know what the Holy Spirit keeps coming back to my heart and saying? Just worry about one. Just one. Just be honest today. How many of you in your life, you know at least one person who doesn't know Christ? What if God would allow you to reach that one? So today. May we take the strategy of Christ seriously. May we go, may we preach, may we teach and multiply the gospel around the world. Let's pray together.